So we are in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. I want you to notice verse 8. It says, There is one alone, and there is not a second. Yea, he hath neither child nor brother. Yet is there no end of all his labor. Neither is his eye satisfied with riches. Neither saith he, For whom do I labor and bereave my soul of good? This is also vanity. Yea, it is a sore travail. Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall... The one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat, but how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. What I want to preach about this morning is the loneliest generation, and that is kind of a uh, title that has been given to what they call Gen Gen Z, or Zoomers as I like to call them. Uh, they are often referred to as the loneliest generation. And here with this passage of the Bible, you know, we see the importance of two and not being alone. And there's, this, uh, there's so many great things about having companions, about having friends. And it's just really sad to think that one of the ways you're going to describe a generation is lonely. That's not a, that's not a good thing. Now, I want to say this. It's, I don't believe it's a sin to be alone. In fact, I can, I can guarantee, I can promise you, it's not a sin to be alone. Joe, you know when God made Adam, Adam was alone, but he wasn't in sin being alone. But God looked at that and God said, it's not good that man should be alone. It's, it's not an ideal situation. I understand people, some, there's people that are out there that say, you know what? I've had enough of people. I'm moving out into the wilderness and you know, living alone. I've seen some documentaries and programs. And you know what? We all feel that way sometimes. And I'd like it for a few days, maybe a week. But, you know, after that, I need to get around some people, okay? You know, and so don't feel bad if you have that feeling sometimes. I just want to get away from everyone. Uh, I, I think you're probably more likely to feel that way, too, if you have a big family and, you know, and a house full of people. That's, you know, that's normal. But again, it's not, it's not a sin, but at the same time, it's not necessarily a good thing. And this generation is known as the loneliest generation. You know, I've been... I'm very intrigued by Zoomers uh, for many reasons. One, I'm not that impressed by them. Uh, two, I'm kind of a, I, I get kind of aggravated by them. But you know, I guess as a parent of kids who are in that Zoomer age, I'm looking at this generation and I'm thinking, I don't want my kids to be like that. So I, as a parent, I and you know, and I guess as a pastor too, I look at this and I'm trying to judge what's going on what's wrong with this generation what can i do to make sure my kids are like that i don't want my kids to be lonely that's not that's not what i want for them and you know and whether we like to admit it or not we are all in many ways a part of the culture that we live in and we're affected and influenced by it somebody shared something the other day about stuff that midwestern people do I didn't know we had anything specific that we do. And like every one of those things that they said Midwestern people do, things they say, I do all those things. And I'm like, I fit a stereotype. And, I, and I, I'm still pretty convinced that, I, you know, I'll bet they say the same thing for Easterners and Westerners too. That can't be. But apparently, you know, a lot of, you know, terminology that we use, I, I, I guess I use it. And I like to see myself as an outsider from the culture that I'm surrounded by. But you know what? I'm not as much as I like to think I am. There's a lot of stuff that affects us without us even realizing it. And that was kind of eye-opening for me. But, you know, even though we do, we make every attempt as a, uh, as a Christian to be separate, 
we can all look back at pictures of ourselves and a stranger could I, you know, look at those pictures and identify what decade those pictures were based on hairstyles, you know, clothing, even clothing that's not bad. You know, you can tell we look like our culture in many ways. You know, if we went to another country, they'd probably figure out what, real quick we're Americans without us even saying anything. You know, I mean, one of the ways I got pegged as being an American when I was in Ireland is I went up to the thing and I just went and got myself a free refill, not realizing they don't do free refills over there. They have the fountain drinks out there you can get, but I didn't know you weren't supposed to get refills. And in Ireland, they give you these tiny cups. I'm from America. We get huge cups and we get refills. <laughs> and I remember I, I went, I sat back down. The O'Hagans were all kind of giving me a funny look like I'd just stolen or something. And I was just like, you don't do, you're not supposed to get refills? And they're like, well, you can now, I guess. <laughs> it, was, it was too late. You know, no American. I, I, don't, I don't know any better. You know, so things rub off on us that we, that we don't even realize. I told the boys to do this. They never did it when they were over there, but they should make a bunch of videos on their island of just, you know, dumb things Americans do in Ireland because there, there's a lot of things that we do different, just, you know, proven, uh, you know, tourist stereotypes or something like that in another country because uh, we do. We're, we're a lot more like our culture than we want to admit. So, while not everything about our culture is wicked, we do need to understand that overall our society is going down the toilet. It's not good. And if we're not careful, we can let a lot of trends that are leading to problems become a part of our life. And not all trends are sinful. But sometimes there's, certain, there's just certain things that have impact in our life and that affect things in a negative way. And we have a responsibility as Christians to judge these things. It says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And folks, when we look at that passage of be not conformed to this world, I do not believe God wants us to look at that and say, all right, well, what you need to do is study the culture of that day. And, you know, whatever that was going on in the first century, that's what God is forbidding right there. No, I believe that this applies today, that we should still not be conformed to the world today. Our world is very different than it was in the first century in many different ways. But in other ways, there's no difference at all. And the principle applies, we should not be conformed to this world. There are things that are a part of our world, our society, our generation, our culture, that are not according to God's plan. And if we go and we just go along with those things, we're going to have all the same problems that the world's having. It doesn't matter that you're saved. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to look at these things and we're going to prove what is that good. You know, because there's some things that are good, there's some things that are not good, but not necessarily sin. You know, there are some things that are acceptable. There are some things that are the perfect will of God. And so it's our job as God's people to judge these things that we're seeing. Find out what's right with it. Find out what's wrong with it. And we need to call out the sin and call people to repentance when it's necessary. And so in this message, I want to look at some of the reasons that I believe this generation is considered the loneliest generation. I don't think it should be hard for us as a Christian who knows the Bible 
to, and I don't think it's wrong for us as a Christian to observe our society, observe our culture, to see the problems, go to the Word of God, and then for us to make a judgment and say, you know what, this is where the world's going wrong. This is where this generation is missing the boat. And you know what we need to do? We need to make sure we correct these things because I don't want it to be a part of my life. I don't want it to be a part of my kid's life. I don't want, I don't want my kids to be lonely. That's not what I want for them. And so some of the reasons I believe this generation is the loneliest generation, it's because of poor family values. Poor family values, I think, are one of the main reasons for this. Okay? Again, it's not a sin for someone to be alone, but it's not necessarily good either. It's not that, I don't believe it's that perfect will of God. Okay? And I'm talking overall. There's always exceptions. There's always reasons why someone might be alone, okay? If all of a sudden, you know, you get in a car wreck and your wife and kids die, you're not in sin all of a sudden because you're alone. Sometimes there's reasons people are alone. So I'm talking about when we have a society, though, where people are choosing to remain alone, where they're choosing to remain single for long extended periods of time, I'm saying that's not the best way. I don't believe that's what God's intent was. And if that's going to be, and I believe, one of the reasons our culture is having a lot of issues, it's because of that decision. And so we already looked, mentioned Genesis 2.18 where God said, it is not good that man should be alone. He said, I will make him and help me for him. As man, we are meant to be around other people. Okay? Just remember, that guy who wanted to live out in the wilderness with only the animals that we all look at sometimes and think he knew what he, you know, that, that guy probably knows something or doing something right. Adam had that going. He didn't have to worry about people at all. But God looked at it and said, this isn't good. I'm going to make a help meet for him. And God made a woman. In verse 24, God said, therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. So notice we see a man leaving his father and mother. It's to start his own family when he has a wife. You know why? Because God doesn't want man to be alone. That's not, and I do, I, I don't believe people are in sin in any way when they go and they move out of their house. Again, when it comes to our culture today, you know, uh, you know, there's a lot of horrible homes out there and I don't blame people from wanting to escape some places at 18. I, I don't blame them. I don't think they're in sin for doing that. There are many reasons to do that, but just understand that the longer you're alone like that, it's going to create some problems. I don't want to get ahead of myself there, but I do believe God's intent. I believe the way it should be in our culture is it should be normal for people to, for the most part, remain home and you know be around family and then go move out of the house, start their own family. I just I think it's bad. I think it's a bad idea to be alone. We see in Genesis 24, in verse 67, it says. And Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent, uh, talking about Rebekah, and took Rebekah, and she became his wife. And he loved her, and Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. And we see in this story that right after uh, Sarah died, that's when we go into the story where Abraham's like, you know what, I need to find a wife for my son. And we see that having a wife was a comfort to him after his mother's death. Why is that? Because he was probably real close to his mom. You know what? Today we call those people mama's boys, but you know what? There's nothing wrong with being close to your mom. It's okay for a guy to have a good relationship with his mom. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. 
And, they, and you know, and back then especially too, you know, I, families were a lot closer. They, they lived close to each other. They were around each other a lot more. You know, they didn't have all the distractions that we do today. I mean, their entertainment at the end of the day was probably talking to each other. They didn't have movies to watch. You know, they didn't have cell phones. They didn't have social media. They didn't have all these things. You know what they had? They had each other. And so when Isaac loses his mom, even though this guy's a grown man, oh, he should be fine. He's a grown man. No, he needed his mom. He, why? Because he needed that relationship. He needed a female in his life. And when she was gone, you know what? Abraham looked. It's like, you know, Isaac, you know, he's wearing my ear out. You know, Sarah had a better ear for listening to him. all. I got to find him a wife. I need to give him, I, 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 you know, I'm using some eisegesis here. But, you know, I think we can all relate to this. And we can understand what was probably going on. And he did, and Isaac was comforted. Because you know what? God wants us to be with people. We are meant to be around people. And the main thing that God set up for us to have that companionship that we need is the family. And you know what? When you have a family, now obviously Adam and Eve, they started out as husbands and wives. They're the first family. But you know, the rest of us, we start out in a family. We start out you know, with a mom and dad. You know, You have brothers and sisters. And you know what? I grew up in a house with four sisters. And I remember when I first moved out of the house. It was like, this is awesome. You know, I had a place all to myself. I moved out three, like three months before we got married. But you know what? I'm just going to admit, it wasn't long after that. And my family was coming over a lot. And I kind of liked it. And I was like even glad to see my sisters. And it was weird. I was like, why am I glad to see my sisters? You know why? I didn't really like being alone. Okay? And, and, you know, and I think what we do, we, when we get sick of people, we mistake, you know, we think we want to be alone, but what we really need is just a vacation. Right? Sometimes we do. Sometimes you just need a vacation. But, you know, and I do. I love being around church people. I love fellowship. But, you know, sometimes you need a vacation from church people, too. I think especially as a pastor. It's like, you know, some people, they all go on vacation together. That's great. I go on vacation to get away from everybody sometimes. So, ah, uh, that doesn't make me feel good. But you know what? Here's, here's some good news about that, too. Whenever I do get away from everybody for, for any length of time, I'm always really glad to see everybody when I get back. And that's a good thing. So, you know what? Every once in a while, take a vacation, and you will all appreciate each other a little bit better. You know, but, uh, so that, you know, but don't think that you just need to be alone. Don't think, I just need to move out to the wilderness. No, just when you start feeling that way, go take a vacation. And you'll start appreciating everybody a little bit better. But we're not supposed to be alone. And so this, uh, the poor family values. We are not encouraging young people to, you know, to get married. Everybody's encouraging this independence. And it, it's not good. And so the next thing I want to, uh, the reason I believe the Zoomer generation's the loneliest generation is because they are not being raised for marriage, but to be independent for a while first. That's what they're being told. And you know what? Again, there's many in this room, you know, who are single, not because you're following the cultural trends. A lot of people in here, you have more of the biblical mindset, but you're looking for a spouse in a generation that has not prepped their young people for marriage. You know, young ladies say they are not being prepped for marriage in our American culture. And you know what? I, I feel bad. For guys trying to find a wife in this culture. Not only are they not prepped for it, you know, they're not good marriage material. 
many times. And, you know, thank God for the exceptions. But you know what? It's obviously been this way before, because, I mean, the Bible talks about he that findeth the wife findeth the good thing and obtaineth favor of the Lord. Sounds like it was hard back then, too. You know, good women are hard to come by, but you know what? It should be easy in church. You know, girls who grow up in church and are grow up in Christian families, you know, they should be getting snatched up pretty quick. Because, and you know, I mean, I, I'm not trying to say anything here, but it's like, I get, I, I get, uh, have people approach me pretty regular, you know, about my daughters. And Abby, uh, it happened way too quick with her. And there's been, there's already been several. Okay, I'm constantly shooing people away. You know, it's like, you know, already spoken for, all that. And, but that's, that's how we've been raising her. We've been trying to raise her different than this culture. And they are, they're, they're going to get, they're gonna, the ones like that are going to get snatched up quick. And so, First uh, Timothy 5.14, Paul speaking says, I will therefore that the younger women, you know, go off to college, start a career, try independence, maybe run for political office. You know, no, he said, I will that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully, for some are already turned aside after Satan. So again, it's not a sin in any way to choose to be single for a while. I'm not saying somebody can't do that, but when you do this as a male or a female, it, it's, it could potentially affect you in a way that's going to lead to temptations for one, but also it could end up affecting your character in a negative way. And look what it says in verse nine of First Timothy five. It says because these are some guidelines for widows that the church would take in. And he says, "Let not a widow be taken into the number under threescore years old, having been the wife of one man, well reported of for good works, if she have brought up children, if she have lodged strangers." If she have washed the saints' feet, if she have relieved the afflicted, if she have diligently followed every good work, but younger widows refuse, for when they have begun to wax wanton against Christ, they will marry, having damnation because they have cast off their first faith. And with all they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also in busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. We see here a contrast between a woman who notice all the things that he said. If, if she brought up children... That is a very selfless thing to do, raising children. If she have lodged strangers, taking care of people. If she have washed a saint's feet, she's serving other people. If she have relieved the afflicted, if she have diligently followed every good work. A woman who's doing things for people, a woman who's working for people, who's being a blessing. He said, if, if, if the widow has that reputation, take her in. But these ones, these younger ones too, they learn to be idle, busybodies, going from house to house. Don't even, don't even try with them. They're too much work. They're, too, they're going to be too many. They're going to cause too many problems. And so, all these things they were looking for in a woman who is qualified was someone who was thinking about others and serving others. That's what they would look at. Which brings us really to the third thing that we see about Gen Z, and that it's the most narcissistic, self-obsessed generation. And look at, you know, again, how, how do people do this today? You know, how do women wander from house to house today? Not so much, you know, by literally going house to house, but, you know, on social media, on the phone all the time, 
gossiping, tattling, busy, you know, all that kind of stuff. I mean, we, we see that. We see this generation. And you know what? It's not just the young ladies in this area. You got guys that are like this too. But again, just self-obsessed. I mean, this Instagram girl, selfie-taking female that's just always online, showing everybody what she's eating, all the stereotypes we make fun of in our house all the time that just my boys will show them to me and then I get irritated from then on out. You know, they taught me how to film your table and all the food and people that you're eating with and then you show yourself and there's a weird face that you make. And I'm not going to imitate it. <laughs> and, and they've made some of those videos just making fun of Instagram girls. Young ladies today... I am amazed at how many young ladies, they get done with school, they're 18, 19, they go, they go in their 20s, and their whole life is just on Instagram. They're all trying to be influencers. They're all trying to just get this following, just completely obsessed with self. And, you know, did you know, it's not a sin to post something on Facebook. It's not a sin to be online. It's not a sin to stay single, but when our culture is full of people whose whole existence is remaining single, being self-obsessed, always on social media, always promoting themselves, always just trying to get people to look at them, themselves, you know what? These are not good candidates for a wife. I'm sorry. Those Instagram girls will make you miserable. They look happy in their pictures, but they are not happy people. They are miserable people. There have been countless stories about a lot of these females that have, you know, had all these followings and things and, you know, their whole existence was wrapped up in that and it turns out they were miserable, suicidal, you know, all kinds of meds and things to help them deal. I mean, folks, we've got moms around here raising kids, pregnant, you know, doing, you know, taking care of husbands that are high maintenance. I mean, just all the stuff that these women are dealing with. And then you have other girls whose only problem they have in life is maybe somebody saying something negative about their picture on Instagram. And guess who's more psycho? The Instagram girl. I mean, listen, we talk about ladies getting emotional sometime. I think they have some pretty good reasons a lot of times. You know, it's, it's, it can't be easy being a lady. But you know what? They do it, and you know what? They're coping better than the Instagram girl. Why? Because that, they're actually living according to God's plan. You know what? God's plan, it's not always easy. You know, there is a curse. There's pain and there's sorrow and childbearing and all that. There's all things we have to deal with. But this stuff that these other people are going after, they're not going to get any help from God on these things. And so, understand, you do not want to raise your daughter to be self-obsessed and to be selfish. You want to raise her to be selfless. Because that's, that's what it takes to be a wife and to be a mother. It's, it's, it's sacrifice. It's, it's difficult. And, but this generation does not care about those kind of things. And we were told this was coming. Look what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And I'm sure there were, I, I, I guarantee you there were elements of this in Paul's day. And there's been elements you know, throughout the ages of this. But folks, there's no doubt we've taken it to a whole other level. In this generation, well, it's funny too. When I was reading several articles about you know Gen Z and talking about all their issues and problems, and every single one of them, they had to like start out saying, and it's not just because of social media, as if that's what we're all going to think first, because I do think that's a huge part of the problem. But 
it was kind of them just making excuses for everybody on all these articles. Yeah, yeah, Gen Z is the sorriest generation, but here's why it's not their fault. And they and all the millennial articles do that. You know, it's it's pretty ridiculous. But in Second Timothy three one, it says this: Know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Okay, now when we think of peril, okay, what do you think of when you think of peril? You know, you think of you know somebody like in a shipwreck or something like that. I mean, you think of, you know, earthquakes, you think of storms, you think of all these terrible things. And when it goes on to say perilous times are coming, it doesn't talk about extreme weather events like global warming and all the stuff we're seeing going on today and the, you know, polar ice caps melting. Here's what, what the perilous times are. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. And social media has done more to enhance that Everybody's always struggled with that. Pride has always been a downfall of man, but there is something about social media that just magnifies that in such a great way. Men have always been, uh, you know, there have always been murderers with mankind. But, you know, we do have tools today that make it a little easier to do a lot more damage when it comes to that. You know, we've got bombs and nukes and, and all these things where you can kill a lot of people. And it doesn't mean people are more evil today than they used to be. We might even be less evil, but we've got the ability and the tools to do way more damage. And it's the same thing too. Man has always had pride and had a problem with loving themselves, but we have created tools and we have created technology today that it has made us able to take our love for self to a whole nother level. And it is. It has created perilous times. And it says, for men to be lovers of their own selves, covetous. That's one of the things that people have problems with looking at social media. They're constantly seeing what other people have. And they want that. You know, I want that person's house. I want that person's car. I want that guy's girlfriend. I want whatever that this other person has. They're covetous. And they try to get it. They try to see how they can pursue these things. Boasters. Okay? It's, it's all over. Okay? And in the Baptist world, especially on Twitter, you know, we boast, you know, by saying, you know, you know, we always have to put it in there, just trying to glorify God. And then we build ourselves up like you wouldn't believe. You know, and it's bad. Proud. Blasphemers. Disobedient to parents. Unthankful. Unholy. And while not every one of those things might be related to stuff like that, we can see several of those things that the Bible says perilous times are going to cause or are going to be a part of perilous times. We are seeing those enhanced today like never before through things like social media. And again, I don't believe these things by themselves are a sin. I don't believe that having social media is a sin. But if you, have a, if you struggle with love for self, if you struggle with being covetous or boasting or pride or whatever, you know, you might need to make a decision that, you know, what, I'm not going to mess with that stuff. Or you need to make sure you do something to help develop your character so you can handle that. You know, a lot of people, their solution is just everybody get rid of it. Well, I don't think we can necessarily say that. Some people do fine. But other people struggle. And if that's you, it's okay. You know, you're not weak. You're, you know what? You're, you're not weak. You're wise. If you just say, I can't handle this. That, that's just wisdom. And stay, and you can choose to stay away from it. And if you choose to stay away from it, you don't need to make it your mission to make everybody else in the world, you know, do what you do. But you, you need to do what you need to do. And uh, everyone else needs to do what they need to do. 
So all these things have always been around, but social media, I believe, is the greatest tool ever invented to enhance these negative qualities. So nearly all the things that are displayed, too, that are mentioned here are promoted on social media. And this generation, said the Zoomer generation, is on this stuff a staggering amount of time. I mean, everywhere you go, phone, phone in people's face. E- everywhere you go. I mean, people, they don't talk to each other. You know, they don't, they, they talk, everybody talks with their thumbs these days. I'll, be, I'll bet a, a lot of Zoomers probably say more with their thumbs than they do with their mouth. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm not going to do a study on that. I'm not going to follow one around all day. But I, I don't think we'd be, I, I, think, I think we'd be surprised. And so being, so being obsessed, obsessed with self, ultimately what it's going to do, it's going to leave you lonely. You know, nobody likes that self-obsessed person. Nobody likes that person that's lifted up with pride. Everyone wants to take them down. Everyone wants to take them down. And if that's your attitude, then prepare to be alone. I just can't understand why nobody likes me. Do you think you're that likable? And that's why they feel that way. It's like, I mean, look at me. You know, I should have people begging me to be my friend. Well, that's your problem right there. Nobody likes somebody like that. And you know, don't you love people who, or I say, and I'm saying this sarcastically, who are really good at something and then, and they know it. You know, we, no, we hate that, don't we? But you know, we're always, we're always pleased and impressed by that person that's really good at something, but they don't act like it. We all, we all appreciate humility because, you know, we all have a little bit of pride too. None of us likes getting showed up on anything, but it's nice when people at least act humble about it. And you remember, remember Deion Sanders? You know, I used to hate him so much. You know, every time he scored a touchdown and stuff, he'd just start dancing in the end zone, acting like an idiot. And it would aggravate me so bad. You know, and, you know, he was a good player, but I hated him because, you know, he was usually doing good against the Bears. And he was just, just bragging about it. And I always liked, but you know who I did like? I liked guys like Barry Sanders because Barry Sanders... He would always slaughter the Bears, too. I just felt like whenever he played against the Bears, he would just run through them like they weren't even there. But, you know, he didn't act like it. He'd get in the end zone, and he'd act like he'd been there before. Yeah. And, and so I always appreciated him and uh, felt like he was somebody who had a little more character. You know, we need to be that way, too. If you're good at something, people know it, and you don't need to tell everyone. And if you, and if you make it your mission to make sure everyone knows... People just aren't going to care anymore that you're good at. They're just, they're just not going to like you. The Bible says in Proverbs 18.24, A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. So we've got, to be, we've got to be friendly. We've got to be trying to be a blessing to other people. A lot of people, they want... Because again, this, the Zoomer generation, they all want followers. You know, they all want you know, whatever they... You know, yeah, you know, Facebook friends... Anything that can help make them look good, make them look popular, that's what they want. But no, the whole point of friendship is, you know what, you're there for them and they're there for you. It can't just be a one-way street. It can't just be a one-way street. If it is, it's not going to be a good friendship. And, you know, internet friends can provide a certain level of companionship, but they will never be able to replace real-life, flesh-and-blood friends who are with you in the flesh. It's hard to truly get to know somebody online. And, you know, the Zoomer generation, probably one of the reasons they struggle with friendships is because they have so many breakups. 
But that's because all their friends are on the internet. And you know how easy it is to have breakups that way? I mean, people are so fickle in the internet world. You know, why, why is that? Because it's not a real friendship. I mean, some of the people, I've seen people even this week, you know, ripping me apart that at one time were praising me like I was the greatest thing since the Apostle Paul. And you know what? You say, well, which, part, which one are you going to believe? I'm not going to believe either of those. I'm not, believe, I'm not believing either of those things. You know what? And whoever it is that you know, likes you the most online and the person that hates you, know, just let those cancel each other out. You know, just pay attention to the middle people because uh, they are. They're going to they're gonna change. They're going to turn on a dime. It's just the way it is. But you know what? Flesh and blood, friends, it's a lot harder, isn't it? That doesn't happen near as much. I preached a message a while back about the dangers of online friendships. And there's just, there, if, if that's where most of your friendships are, be prepared for loneliness. It's better to make real friends. And so that takes me to the last thing. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. I believe the last reason this generation is the loneliest generation is it's the most unchurched generation. You, fewer and fewer people are attending church anymore. And this church is a great place to find friendship. Now, understand too, one of the reasons, and I'm not, I'm not going to get into this because this is kind of a whole other subject, but I, believe, I do believe one of the reasons we're so lonely today is when it comes to community, we are not connected anymore. We do not talk to our neighbors. Most of us probably don't even know who our neighbors are. You know, when we do our daily thing in our culture, when you go to the store, when you go grocery shopping, we don't know anybody. You don't talk to anybody. You can walk through a crowded Walmart, buy all your groceries, go shop and be in there for an hour, and your conversations are going to consist of, you know, have a nice day. You too. And that's about it. We don't even know the names of the workers. And we've been there, how, I mean, how many times? I mean, over the Rock Falls, Walmart, I've been in there a million times. Some of those cashiers, I know their face. They've been there since I moved out here. I don't know their name. I don't even know. And they wear name tags and I still don't know their name. <laughs> you know, and there's, there's one, I talk to her all the time. And, you know, I got convicted myself when I was putting this message together. I talked to her all the time. She actually looked at our old building um, when, we were trying, when we were trying to sell it. She had thought about buying it. So that's kind of, she learned who I was and I was a pastor and everything. And I remember I went there a while back later and she was like, hi pastor, how you doing behind there? And I didn't know who she was because she was masked up. But I, and then I remember she pulled her mask down and I was like, oh, okay. You know, but then, but you know, now we talk all the time. I still don't know her name. It, you know, that's how we are in this culture. And, and the gas, the Shell gas station, I go in there all the time because they have the ghost energy drinks. I, I, I don't even I don't know their names. I, I don't really talk. I, I, I won't say there's you know there's one guy we I call him name him after somebody that we all know from the online because he looks just like him. I thought about getting my picture taken with him, but I don't even know his name. And you know what? Y'all are the same way too. People you pass by all the time and you don't talk to them. They don't you know nothing about them. It didn't used to be that way. People used to. They used to know each other. They, you know, they were involved in each other's lives. And I do believe that's a great reason that our, this generation is lonely. Now, 
For us, we don't have as many of the problems of that because we have this church community. And thankful, and, and, but did you know, even in a lot of churches, people don't know each other? There, there are a lot of churches, it's like that, where people, they come, they walk in 60 seconds before the service starts, and they leave 60 seconds before it's over. And they don't fellowship. And it's in some churches, that's everybody. It's not like that in this church, and I'm thankful for that. Uh, you know, we do know each other, but at, at the same time, a lot, even a lot of people who go to church, they don't have any interaction with each other. They do not know each other. And folks, Bible says in Hebrews 10, 4, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. And how do we consider each other? How do we provoke each other to love and good works? Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is but exhorting one another in so much the more as you see the day approaching. I believe if a person attends church, and, if, and that's all you do, all you do is attend church, I think you're partially doing this because I do think your presence helps and you know, participation in service, you know, it, it helps. You're, you're partially obeying this, but you know, I think God wants a little more than us just letting our body warm a seat. I think He wants you talking to each other. I think He wants us getting to know each other and encouraging each other to be better Christians, provoking each other to love and good works. And that's not going to happen with you just sitting here and listening to me preach for a little bit. You've got to get around each other. And, and I, do, I believe if you want to avoid a lot of these cultural problems, you need to be in a good church. You've got to be in a church where there's fellowship. You need it where you're around people, where we're working together and laboring with each other. That is such an important thing. And this generation that's living in a society where people don't talk to each other, where we don't know each other, they don't even go to church. And so you know what? Why wouldn't they be lonely? I mean, really the only community they have where they talk, about, talk to people regularly outside their homes is when they're in school. And then after school, everybody goes their separate ways and they're just completely alone. And that right there, that is, again, that's not necessarily a sin, but that's not a good culture. That's not a good model that we should be patterning our lives after. We've got to, and so we've got to understand that if we're going to avoid these problems, we're going to have to do things a little different. We're going to have to you know, prep our children for marriage. We need to have good, strong family values. We need to keep our families in church. We need to keep our families thinking about other people, caring about other people, considering other people's needs, and not just our own. These are important. We need to be in church so we can be helped, but even more so, we need to be in church so we can be a help. Paul said in Acts 20, verse 35, I have showed you all things, how that so laboring out to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. That is opposite of what we are seeing in this generation. It's just, gimme, gimme, gimme. That's, that's that generation. An entitled generation. Entitled. I'm not, we haven't even taken time to talk about the entitlement. We're just mainly focusing on the things that have made them the loneliest generation but the bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive you need to be somebody who's giving this being a blessing and so you know in conclusion something that gen z has picked up from the millennial generation is that they're all victims and nothing's their fault and every said every article explaining problems with the loneliest generation just made excuses for them but there's no doubt 
there are real changes out, or challenges out there today for the Gen Z, but every generation has had its challenges. Every generation. Okay? So, I mean, some of y'all in here were in the Depression. You know, World War II. I mean, lived through some real uh, difficult things, but you know what? You got over it. And it's a good thing they didn't have somebody just telling them they're a victim and tell them to just roll over and defeat, which is what this generation is being told to do. They're being told, roll over and defeat and just vote for Democrats and they'll solve all your problems. No, you need to overcome it. We need to fix these things. We need to keep these cultural problems out of our lives and make sure we have more of a biblical mindset so we don't raise lonely, lonely people. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for the guidance that your word gives us. And Lord, we thank you for uh, the, the gift of family and church and all the things that uh, you've told us to be a part of. Help people not to look at those things as just something we have to fulfill uh, as Christians. But these are blessings. These are good things that make our lives better. And I pray you'll help us to be an example uh, in this weird world that we're living in and set a good example on how things should be. In your name we pray. Amen.